in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19 tonight, 2 Peter chapter 1, and uh, I'll be reading in verse 19 a message I call the rise of the day star, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your heart. May God bless the reading of his, of his word tonight. It's my prayer. You know, Simon Peter in this, in this message, in this book, is giving his last message to the followers of Jesus Christ. Jesus had promised him uh, that after his conversion, uh, he would be used to strengthen the brethren. He's had a long and certainly wonder-filled ministry. Uh, but you know, Jesus also told him, when you're old, they're going to bind you and take you where you don't want to go. And uh, of course they did. They did. And uh, naturally for all of us, of course, when we begin to see uh, uh, gray hairs and uh, that uh, old person's skin showing up on our hands, uh, we're, we know that we're not uh, probably fit subjects for the young couples department anymore. Uh, but uh, in Simon Peter's case, this had a specific meaning. Of course, uh, early in his life, he knew, <laughs> he knew he wasn't old yet. And he had a lot of living and a lot of service to do. But uh, I'm sure those words of Jesus had echoed in his mind and heart many times. This old soldier is going home. And he knows it. He tells them that. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, he says... We have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the Holy Mount. See, the apostles had not met together and contrived a story about Jesus as a mythical figure. He had not merely arrived, although his arrival itself was an amazing and incredible thing. The long-awaited Messiah of Israel had arrived, but he arrived with power. He arrived with power. John would later write, uh, not long after Peter had gone home, a record of seven signs that Jesus performed to prove that he was the Christ. He turned the water into the wine at Cana. He healed the nobleman's son in Capernaum. He healed the crippled man at the pool of Bethesda in Jerusalem. He fed 5,000 people with a little boy's lunch. He walked on the water and calmed the storm. He healed the blind man in the temple, in the temple. In Jerusalem. Last but not least, of course, he raised Lazarus from the dead. Seven signs. Signs that demonstrated that Jesus was indeed what he claimed to be, the Son of God. And so he wasn't just declared to be the Son of God. He was declared to be the Son of God with power. That's what Paul said in Romans chapter 1 and verse 4. 
And Paul mentioned the resurrection from the dead. That was the one single miracle that he brought up. Out of all the things that Jesus had done, the world itself couldn't contain the volumes of book that would be written if they wrote down everything that Jesus had done. But out of all the things that he did and all the miracles he performed, John mentioned, or Paul mentioned just this one. He was declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. Simon Peter, of course, also mentioned one miraculous event. The time when they were eyewitnesses of His majesty. When they were with Him on the mountain of transfiguration. When they heard the voice of God speaking, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. No wonder they were all so convinced. (laughs) They heard the very voice of God saying, This is my beloved Son. They saw him die and he didn't stay dead. They saw him raised from the dead. I mean, it was, he was declared to be the son of God with powers. Incredible thing. Matthew's account of that incident is in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 2. And he, and he was transfigured before them and his face didn't shine as the sun. His raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make three here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, one for Elias. And while he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Hear ye him. Against that background then that Peter gave us the words of our text, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. You ever get in a conversation with somebody and they start throwing doubts on the validity of your Bible? It'd be good to have 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19, not for their benefit, but for yours. We have a more sure word of prophecy. I mean, for them to be with the Lord Jesus Christ on the mountain of transfiguration with a bright cloud descending all around them and hearing the very voice of God speaking from heaven, saying, this is my beloved son, that's a pretty sure thing. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty, I believe, I, yep, I'll take that. Uh, when we pick up the Bible and hold it in our hands, we have no less of a sure word of prophecy. That's what Simon Peter's telling We have also a more sure word of prophecy. And he says, since that's the case, then you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your heart. And since God has spoken in such a sure and confirmed way, he says, we do well to heed what he has to say. The word heed means to pay attention to give consideration to something, to mind, obey, or give respect to something or someone. You know, I I guess every man in this building has had a time or two or an occasion in your life when your wife asks you the question, have you heard anything that I said? And you thought, that's such a strange way to start a conversation. (laughs) Have you heard anything I've said? You know, yeah, we can say amen to that, can't we, guys? Huh? Yeah? Uh-huh. 
Sometimes we listen, but we don't listen. Amen? Parents know about how that is with kids. Sometimes they listen, but they don't listen. Every preacher knows. Sometimes people listen, but they don't listen. Sunday school teachers, sometimes they listen, but they don't listen. Well, the idea of heeding is not just hearing, but heeding, that is when we don't just listen, but we really listen. We pay attention. We give heed to something. We do well to take heed. And so first of all tonight, I want us to talk a moment about the intensity of heeding the Word of God. He says we need to take heed unto it as unto a light that shines in a dark place. Now this is a beautiful image that Simon Peter gives to us of a person walking in the darkness, needing a light to see by. And the light is available. Now, the light can be avoided, the light can be rejected, but we do well to use the light. And many passages of Scripture use that concept. Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 5, O house of Jacob, come ye, and let us walk in the light of the Lord. 1 John chapter 1 and 7, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. Ephesians 5 and 8, but you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Philippians 2 and 15, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 5, you are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Psalm 119, perhaps most famous one of all, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. There are many examples of how the light in the darkness works for us. It's incredible how dark it can be out on the ocean at night to see a single light out in the distance. It's amazing how far a single light can be seen. The presence of a lighthouse sending forth its beam across the wave. It can be seen literally for miles. But it indicates the presence not only of land, but that there are some treacherous rocks, something dangerous there. That could wreck your ship. You do well (laughs) to take heed to a lighthouse. You do well. It would be theoretically possible, I suppose, to drive at night without your headlights on. Some of you, maybe, perhaps, even the guy standing up here could give testimony to driving at night without your headlights on. It has to be a really moonlit night, doesn't it, Brother Don? <laughs> and, and usually, usually, uh, uh, well, I'll, I'll just leave that one alone. It was a long time ago. Kids, don't tell, don't, listen, don't you try this at home. Don't do it. But police officers can tell you it does sometimes make things effective. You can, theoretically, Drive without your headlights on at night. It's possible. It can happen. But the fact is that most of the time, 
Not only do we want our lights on, but we want our high beams on. And if we got our low beams on, it seems like anymore, uh, we want those fog lamps that has about 50 zillion candle power on it that's going to blind everybody else. But you know what? We can see. And I understand that. There might have been a time in my life when I could drive by moonlight. That time is long gone. We want our headlights. You see, we do well. We do well to drive with our headlights on. Sometimes it's necessary to walk in areas where we feel somewhat threatened, whether it's a bad neighborhood or just being out alone at night. It's a good thing when we see that there are well-lit areas that are pushing back the darkness so that we can walk in the light. You do well. You do well to stay in the well-lit areas and away from the shadows. When you're walking in the woods at night, it's amazing how sound can be amplified. The sound of a raccoon scurrying through the leaves sounds like a huge creature at night. The howling of coyotes, especially if they seem to be getting closer. Not only put uh, 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 those uh, prickly things running up and down your skin, but uh, they'll put wings on your feet too, I tell you. I don't... <clears throat> the sound of rustling leaves that seems to be following you can give every imitation of a horrific mountain lion. And now those of us who grew up uh, watching Old Yeller will forever be a little bit afraid of all the pigs out in the woods. Having a good strong flashlight at night is a good thing. We do well if we're going to be out in the woods at night. We do well to have a good strong light. You see, these are, are just a few small small illustrations of the things that we do well to take heed uh, to a good light. Having a good light is a good thing. Uh, let me tell you something. In the world in which we live, we have a good, strong light. And it's the Word of God. It lights up the path. It pierces the darkness. It shows us where the danger is. It gives us comfort in the midst of threatening situations. It keeps us on the road and shows us not only up close where we need to be traveling, but it will show us in the long distance where we need to go. It is bright. It shines brightly. We, we need to pay careful heed to the Word of God. When the Bible speaks of us as the light of the world, it does not mean that we're like the sun. We don't produce the light. We merely reflect it. The light of God's word is, is what is working in us. And the more that God's word gets in us, the more candle power we have to shine in the world in which we live. So if that's the intensity then, we do well to take heed to the light because the shadows are dangerous and a lot of things, scary things. Then there's also the intent of heeding him. Verse 19 until the day dawn and the day star arise in your heart. <clears throat> Best flashlight in the world is obsolete about 15 minutes after daylight. After the dawn, <laughs> we turn the flashlight off because we don't need it anymore. 
You might drive with your headlights on in the day, but it's not because you need them to see. The sun is far brighter than anything that, uh, that mankind is able to produce. Uh, the coming of daylight then, every morning that brings a sunrise, it, it comes then uh, with that beautiful realization that God is giving us a clear, clear path. He's illuminating our life. But Simon Peter talks about not just the day that dawns, but he talks about the day star or the morning star, as it's sometimes called. Now, when you can see the day star, if it's there, and, and there are almost always are, are some, most of the time we understand the day stars aren't really stars, they're planets. A lot of times it's Venus, sometimes Mars or Jupiter, sometimes more than one. It's a beautiful thing when it just happens to coincide with the, with the moon, so that we get the moon, maybe enough two or three bright little planets coming up over the eastern sky. It's a beautiful thing when you see that. When you see the day star rise, you know something else is coming. <laughs> the sun, it's going to be dawn soon. And that's what it tells us. And so when Simon Peter then brings up the day star, he is reminding us, uh, first of all, that it's just in the dawn. You know, in our world right now, in our lives right now, and as thankful as we are for the Word of God, but let's just understand, we're in the very dim light of God's revelation to us. Did you know that? With all the Word of God and all the things that He has given us. I mean, Paul said that very plainly uh, for us. Now he said we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now we see in part, but then shall we know also as we are known. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 12. And so here we are with God's present day revelation to us. And yet understanding that even when the day star comes, even when the dawn then arises, we're still in just the early morning light of God's revelation. Listen, folks, God has so much more to give. And let's remind ourselves of that from time to time. God has much more to give. When people ask about what he heaven is going to be like or what we're going to do in heaven, I know I'm preaching about that some on Sunday morning, but, uh, you know, just think about what God is going to have to show us. Uh, we think we're so smart sometimes and figured everything out. We don't know uh, a tenth of a percent about much of anything. I'm telling you, we, we haven't even scratched the surface yet of what God has done and what he's going to show us. We hadn't even imagined the things that God has in store for those that love us. But for right now, God has given us exactly what we need so that the man of God can be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. It's not like he's left us deficient. We have what we need. If something's not covered in the Bible, we can say, well, we must not need to know that or God would have told us. We have what we need. And so there are times perhaps when we might linger in indecision when the day star is just dawning. I mean, it's just barely daylight, maybe not even that. We are looking for that sense of clarity that comes with the daylight. Simon Peter then is calling on us uh, to continue to hang on to that light, that light of God's revelation until it becomes clear to us. Our questions might linger for a while, but in time, 
God's truth will answer those questions. There may be some doubt in our heart from time to time. But isn't it amazing how the word of God can rise in our hearts and suddenly those doubts just go away. We might be afraid from time to time, uncertain about what path to take. But it's amazing how the Word of God can just take away those uncertainties and leave us sure. Show us in the direction that we need to go so that we have peace about what God has for us. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 7 tells us that in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. He writes in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 14 that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless, until our Lord Jesus Christ appearing, which he will manifest in his own time. He who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light. Dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see. To him be honor and everlasting power. Amen. God has given us exceeding great and precious promises. He calls on us then to keep his commandments. To follow his instructions. To live in the way that he tells us to live. Which includes, by the way, the provision for when we stumble... Thank God for that. When we mess up, John said it best in 1 John chapter 2. When he tells us that he, that's Jesus Christ, is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also the sins of the whole world. Immediately before that, he tells us, These things I write unto you, my little children, that you sin not. I don't write these things to you to encourage you to sin. Oh no, I write these things to you to keep you from sinning. Very next phrase. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins and also for the sins of the whole world. So you see, God's commandments to us, God's instructions to us include how to even deal with our failures. God said to David, I knew you when you were following the sheep coat. I called you out of the sheep pen, sheep coat. I knew you were just a shepherd boy. I knew what you were. psalmist would cry out to God and say, Thou rememberest my frame, that I am dust. God knows it. His instructions then to us also include the possibility of our failure and what to do with it when we have failed. He's the propitiation for our sins and for the sins of the whole world. So he calls on us. To take heed to the day star. Do you see that early morning light? You see that light in the darkness? Just a light peering over the horizon. It'll be this way. It's telling you that the dawn is coming. And if you find yourself tonight living in the darkness, 
Dealing the darkness of doubt or fear or uncertainty. Dealing with the struggles that come from defeat. Simon Peter says, take heed to the day star. What's it tell you? Sunrise is coming. Sunrise is coming. Hang in here. Sunrise is coming. Hadn't done this in a long time. I'm going to try to wrap up tonight with an old song. I used to do this a lot, uh, but I've almost quit because my voice is not that good anymore. Uh, But I'm going to try it uh, because it goes so well with the message that Simon Peter gives to us here based right on this passage. It's called, appropriately, Daystar. Go ahead. Lily of the valley, let your sweet aroma fill my life. (coughs) Rose of Sharon, show me how to grow in beauty in God's sight. Fairest of ten thousand, Make me a reflection of your life. Day stars shine down on me. Let your love shine through me in the night. Lead me, Lord, I'll follow. Anywhere you open up the door Let your word speak to me Show me things I've never seen before Lord, I want to be a witness You can take what's wrong and make it right. Day stars shine down on me. Let your love shine through me in the night. Lord, I see a world that's dying. Wounded by the master of deceit. Groping in the darkness. Haunted by the years of past defeat. Then I see you standing near me, Lord. Shining with compassion in your eyes I pray Jesus shine down on me Let your love shine through me in the night 
Lead me, Lord, I'll follow anywhere you open up the door. Let your word speak to me. Show me things I've never seen before. Lord, I want to be a witness. You can take what's wrong and make it right. Day stars shine down on me. Let your love shine through me in the night. Jesus, shine down on me. Let your love shine through me. 